0: For earlier this month, I was walking through a uh, supermarket and then through that, the magazine stand. I noticed this. Mm-mm. Okay, you know what this is for me? This is provocation. <laughs> when I read something like this, I have to stop. And even as though it says, please don't stop and read the magazines here. We want you to buy them. I stopped and read the magazine there. Okay. <laughs> There is no way that you can put this up in front of me without me having to engage it somehow and some way. Is truth dead? Now the article went on to describe the current culture that we live in today and the manner in which our government communicates with the people, etc., and is truth dead? Are, are we really hearing all the facts? Are we getting all the information as we are surrounded by news and then that news is wrapped with fake news and everything else? Is truth dead? Now what many of you may not know is that this was formatted after an article that was written in April of 1966. I wasn't born yet, but someone told me about it. Okay, And the article that was written in April of 1966 was Is God Dead? And look at how they're formatted. They're identical. In 1966, this article was written because theologians were actually moving away from the understanding of a deity. I don't know how that's possible, but that's what they were doing. And so time asked the question, is God dead? Now look at how they format it, It is truth dead? The exact same way. In the exact same font, the exact same uh, format, etc. And as theologians were trying to write God out of the picture in 1966, I asked the question, are many trying to write out or erase truth from our society today but that begs the question before we can erase something out we must understand and identify what something is so what is truth and has truth been lost and is it possible that truth is dead That's the question we are going to be exploring this morning. And we begin this journey with the passage you read at the beginning of service in John's Gospel chapter 18, because there is a dialogue that we must notice if we are going to begin the conversation concerning the subject of truth. So if you turn with me to John's Gospel chapter 18, verse 33... And I'm sure many of you are familiar with this uh, scene. And so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, well, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, so are you a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Verse 38. Pilate asks the question, what is truth? Now there is something missing. There is something missing from that question. For in verse 37, Jesus says twice, he has come to, wit- to be bear the witness of what? The truth. The definite article is found there twice before the word truth. When Pilate reiterates the question to Jesus, the definite article is removed. Instead of stating that there is a truth Pilate asked the more obscured question, What is truth? What is it? And within that question, there is the tonality of, Can we know what truth actually is? We don't know the actual manner in which Pilate asked this question. In fact, in his classic essay, Of Truth... Francis Bacon wrote, What is truth, said jesting Pilate, and would not stay for the answer. But we are not certain that Pilate was jesting. For centuries, Roman and Greek philosophers had discussed and debated this very question and had come to no settled conclusion. Whether Pilate was sneering or sighing as he asked the question, we do not know. So it would be unwise to pass judgment upon Pilate. Either way, we know that Pilate did not stay for the answer. But the removal of that definite article does point to the fact that even in the day of Christ, those 2,000 years ago, under Greek and Roman authority, the idea of truth was an abstract at best. There was no definitive outline or definition to the word truth. Not much has changed today, has it? Today we have all truth is relative to the individual. What is your truth is not necessarily my truth. And we have to ask the question, is that a reliable saying? Does that hold water? Or is it a misgiving? During the days of Pilate there were many Greek philosophers, there were many Jewish philosophers that were rising up and becoming quite popular amongst the populace. And many of them uh, considered themselves self-imposed leaders and kings of their philosophical movement. Rome did not take these movements to be of any type of threat to the Roman Empire because you know why they came and went so quickly uh, another philosopher would rise up and and a following would follow him and then another one after him and that following would then follow the second and a philosopher and so on and so forth and so for Pilate an educated man you know he saw this as just another Yeah, uh, it was an irritant possibly at best Another philosopher dismissing the idea of the kingdom because as Jesus said there that his kingdom was not of this earth so Rome therefore really wasn't interested at that point. So was Jesus simply a philosopher that uh, carried and bear witness to a set of truths? that could be set next to any other set of truths or standards that society may have? Or what he testified of, was it so much greater and more significant than that? Again, as Pilate responds, we see that in his own mind, he had been confronted with this reality so many times, he didn't believe that truth was knowable. And therefore, he just asked the question of Jesus, what is truth? I like what Charles Waring said. He said, we seem to have here an example of the spirit of almost universal skepticism which prevailed among more cultivated Greeks and Romans of that age. It was the pastime of one of the Roman empires of that period to assemble the great philosophers of his day at his palace. And he amused himself by listening to their wranglings upon such questions as, what is religion? What is virtue? And what is truth? And so there's a definite idea of skepticism, of mockery within that stated question that Pilate poses to Jesus. As Edward Blum said, Pilate's question, what is truth, has echoed down through the centuries. How his question was intended is problematic. Was it a wistful desire to know what no one could tell him? Was it a philosophical cynicism concerning the problem of uh, apesmatology? Was it indifference to anything so empirical as abstract thought? Or was it irritation at Jesus' response? These are all possible interpretations of his words. But the significant thing is that he suddenly turned away from the one who is the truth without waiting for an answer. And so let us begin, as we begin with this illustration, this dialogue between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. The question is now on the table, what is truth? Has anyone ever challenged you to articulate for them how you determine what is actually true? Have you ever been confronted with that question in our culture in your lifetime now think about it for a moment it's not that you are just asking somebody what they believe to be true you're asking that person how they know what they believe is true how did you qualify that belief to understand it to be true You are going to be surprised that when you ask that question, how many of the people that you ask cannot answer that question with any kind of clarity or with any kind of certainty. They have never reasoned out in their own mind today how one establishes that something is true or false. The reason for that is because of the manner in which truth is obtained today in our society. In fact, you may be shocked to know that there are truly only two methods of truth. And both methods are displayed in our society today. Norman Geisler, one of my favorite scholars, did some of the best work on truth. And he says this, There are two basic views of what truth is. One says that truth is what corresponds to reality. That's a good one. The other says that a view is true if it coheres or holds together as an eternally consistent set of statements. The former says that truth is what corresponds to reality. Truth is telling it like it is. The latter compares truth to a web hanging in space so that its own network of connection upholds it, like a chain. Each link is dependent on the others to hold it together. Let's stop there and consider what he's saying. There are two methodologies to the establishment of what is true. One is based on reality, what is actually in front of us. The other is based upon circumstances, experiences, and opinions. And it's developed over a period of time, and it is linked together after one experience, after another experience, after another experience has been wrought. The truth that is supported by reality, this acknowledges that reality contains certain sets of truth and these are the truths that we adopt. So we accept the fact that there is a reality that we must subject ourselves to and within that reality there are a set of truths that we must hold to be true. So when we look at the past the past, the present, and the future are all framed and contextualized by this reality. But truth created by experience and opinion, for this one, truth is developed over a period of time and can be exclusive to that person or individual. Does that sound familiar? What's true for me is not necessarily true for you. The past is over with in their idea of thinking, the future is unknowable, and the moment dictates the truth of the day. This will also then, I believe, uh, satisfy what some now are calling the third methodology of truth, the pragmatic methodology of truth. If it works, it must be true. Now think about this for a moment. It may be the first time you've ever been confronted with such uh, an idea. It may be that it's early on Sunday morning and the coffee hasn't settled in yet. But remember, this question was asked 2,000 years ago. What is truth? The question is still being asked today. What is truth? And I agree with Norman Geiser. It's either based on reality and the subset there within, or it is based on one's personal experience and personal opinion. Now, our society wants to allow and accept that everyone can establish what is truth in their own mind. But just because someone is allowed to believe and accept that, does that make that true? No. Not at all. This last Thanksgiving, I was having an interesting conversation with my extended family And as we were talking, these individuals were stating that over the last year they have come to question quite a bit of what they thought they believed. And the reason they came to this conclusion wasn't because of an epiphany that God gave them, but because they have subscribed to Netflix. And in Netflix, there's a series of documentaries on conspiracy theories. And you can find a conspiracy theorist that will challenge any known idea that we have, for example, did we actually land on the moon? Um, was you know a couple of our presidents aliens, um, whatever it may be? You will find that on Netflix, and they were watching these, and they were being entertained by them first and foremost, but they were also then beginning to question what they had accepted to believe to be true because of the doubt that these documentaries and these conspiracy theorists were placing within their minds. So I asked them a question. I said, you're wrestling with truth, but I let me ask you again this evening, how do you personally establish what is truth and what is not? And they were hemming and hawing over this. And finally, they came down to the realization that according to the methodology in which they have adopted to establish truth, they then realized that they could not establish what is true or what is not. And then one said to me, we are not sure if truth is knowable. Hmm. And you could tell that the lights were going on and they were really thinking about this. It's like wait a minute, we should know this. We, we have children and we want our children to know the truth and so on and so forth. But they have never been asked that question. It was a friendly conversation. Was, they still passed the stuffing after I asked the question. It was still good in, in so many regards. But, you know, it was a good conversation. And I began to realize that many have never been asked that question. Now, as a believer in Jesus Christ... We believe that there's a reality that contains a subset of truths. And that reality is God. And within Him, truth is not simply contained. He is not the simple conveyor of truth. God is the origin of truth. It begins with Him. How, how awesome is that? And so when we ask ourselves, how do we know truth? Let us ask ourselves, what does the Bible say about truth? This leads us to John 14, 6. Don't you like it when God makes it very clear and easy for us all? John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, This is to Thomas, asking him about the direction and where he was going and how to get there. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's understand what Jesus is saying there when he calls himself the truth. As William MacDonald stated, then the Lord is the truth. He is not just one who teaches the truth. He is the truth. He is the embodiment of truth. Those who have Christ have the truth. It is not found anywhere else. Amen and amen. If we are truly going to know what is true, we must first and foremost know Christ. Because he is the truth. Not simply the conveyor, but the origin thereof. When Jesus prayed in the garden in John 17, 17, he said, Sanctify them in the truth. Look at this last phrase. Your word is truth. Jesus said he did not say as many uh, as do today your word contains truth but he stated very clearly your word is truth like what came out of the moody bible commentary he says scripture is not just true as if there were another standard to which the bible rightly conforms all scripture is god breathed and therefore the source of truth just as Jesus is the truth. And Greg Laurie wrapped it up by saying this, the Bible teaches that God is truth. So some people say all truth is God's truth. No. Because some truth is not truth at all. God's truth is the only truth. And the only way to know if what we are doing is true, the only way to know, the only way to know if what we is moral, The only way to know if what we are doing is good is if we measure it up against the standard of God's Word. If it does not, it is not true. It is not good, and it is not moral. This is where truth begins for you and I who are believers in Jesus Christ. It starts with Him, and it is throughout the Word of God. This is why a Christian living in a biblical worldview is so ne- necessary. Because we are saying that we acknowledge that truth is a reality found in God, and therefore we act according to those truths. And as the world tries to develop truth as it goes along, th- as they go along through life, through their experiences and their opinions, etc., We now have a society that loses its cohesiveness. We we now have a society that is no longer uh, connected with any moral absolutes. And as the Bible says, all are doing what's right in their own minds. And this is a glimpse of what is happening in our society today. This is why moral relativism is found. This is why truth is being explained away uh, on the basis of personal experience, etc. I think it is interesting that the moment individuals questioned is God dead in 1966, we were then led to ask the question, is truth dead? Well, of course, if we want to take god out of our society if we desire to purge him out of our society are we then not saying also that we are purging truth along with it with him i should say so i asked the question so is truth dead yes or no it is a resounding positively absolutely no You know why because he's alive right he rose on the third day he is no longer contained in the tomb as long as he was contained in that tomb we could have then said truth has died but he rose on the third day because he is the embodiment of truth and that truth is found in his word now here's a very interesting look back in history after time magazine questioned is god dead in 1966 something began to happen in our country and by april of 1969 they wrote this is god coming back to life did you ever did you know this because something was happening as individuals were trying to purge our society, continue to purge our society of God, something began to happen. Young people all over the United States of America started turning to Jesus Christ. It was like a a time like this nation has never seen before. Is God coming back to life? No, He was never dead. But then something happened. The time could no longer deny that in 1971 the Jesus movement hit. It was the greatest revival our nation had seen. and It was amazing. Why do I bring this up? Because you're sitting in a church that was birthed through that movement in 1971, Calvary Chapel. God is not simply the conveyor of truth. He is the origin of truth. As I like to say, one without The truth of God is like a ship on the ocean without a rudder. You will never get to where you want to go. In any points of navigation, you must substantiate that navigation upon a fixed point. Even in the time when we did not have GPS on your phone, we did have the stars. And the fixed point was always the brightest of those stars, the North Star. And to plot a course, you needed to plot that course upon a fixed point. If we no longer have the fixed point of truth within our society that is determined by the reality of God, does our society not then become adrift? Can we substantiate any kind of true foundation? on personal experiences that all differ one from another. Can we have any kind of cohesiveness? Can we have any kind of uh, forward thinking? If everyone is determining what is truth based upon their own opinions, their own experiences, etc. You can't. It's an impossibility. Henry Thiessen wrote this and I wanted to read this to you this this morning because it's so telling he's a great theologian he wrote a book back into the 70s called lectures in systematic theology if you can find a copy pick it up he says god is truth his knowledge declares and and represents eternally conformed to reality the truth of god is not only the foundation of all religion but also of all knowledge. God is true God in that he is genuine God as well as truthful God. He is the source of all truth. The conviction that senses uh, do not deceive. The conscientiousness is trustworthy. That things are what they appear to be and that existence is not merely a dream, rests ultimately upon the truth of God. In other words, we live in a world that is true. Many ask with Pilate, what is truth? Ultimate truth or reality is God. I cannot help but notice that as Pilate stood before Jesus Christ, and asked that abstract question, "What is truth?" He was just inches, maybe feet away from the reality of truth. Not staying long enough to hear the answer, he therefore didn't allow himself the revelation that Christ could give. How close are we to truth in God? Are we staring it in the face and yet simply in our stubbornness rejecting it because it calls for us to adopt a meta narrative that we do not want to subject ourselves to? Think about that for a moment. How close Pilate was. And yet, though he determined Christ to be innocent as he was, he missed that moment where the kingdom of God is truly not of this world, but is the containment of truth. Because our king is the truth. His word is the truth. Not merely the conveying of this truth, but the reality of it contained.